Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and welcome to the show. This week, I am joined by Laura McEgan. Laura, originally from the UK, founded Divine Light Yoga in 2015 with an eagerness to share her 20 years experience and knowledge in yoga, education, and holistic practices with families and schools across the world. Laura started her yoga journey at the age of 15 with her first and most inspirational yoga teacher, her grandmother. Prior to teaching yoga, Laura was an international primary school teacher in Asia, working with a range of educational curriculums and philosophies. Laura has spent the last 15 years living and traveling all over the world, working in education, nonprofit, and yoga. She now leads Yoga Alliance Children's Yoga Teacher Trainings across the globe, in person and now online, with her work reaching families and schools in over 50 countries across six continents. Laura's personal mission in life is to ensure that children in every pocket of the world have access to the therapeutic practices of yoga and healthy mindset to support themselves throughout life. It's a huge mission, but she's determined. Laura, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled you can be here, and I have a ton I want to ask you. It just It's a very unique story of just learning that your grandmother taught you yoga and then also that you teach all over the world. But I'm going to start at the beginning of your kids' yoga journey. So how did you first become interested in teaching kids' yoga? It's, well, I guess my journey started with myself, um, being a teen yogi, so having experienced yoga, at least on the physical level, since I was 15 years old. And I think really my teaching, my children's teaching yoga, children's yoga teaching journey, uh, really started when I was um, working in international schools. So I used to be an international school teacher before I was a kids yoga teacher. And so education and yoga had been a really important part of my life and a passion of mine, definitely for, I'd say like 12 years before I actually started sharing it with children. I think I, I thought they were very separate. You know, yoga was my personal life. Education was my, um, my professional life. And when yoga, when I really started to delve more into the meditation, the philosophy, the mindfulness side of yoga, and I was really feeling the, the benefits of not only on my personal life, but as me as a, a classroom teacher, I just had this realization of like, oh, this would be amazing for children. And so I started to integrate it slowly, um, firstly with relaxations, um, and meditations in my classrooms um, with early years children. And then once I started to see the effect on the children in my classroom, it was then that I, I decided to really start to delve into it and evolve and um, bring the two together, really, bring my passion of education and my personal experience of yoga and, and merge the two. That's amazing. So right now you are in the UK. Um, but I, w I was looking on your website and I see you've done 
over, well over 500 hours of yoga trainings all over the world, India, Mexico, Bali, Hong Kong, just to name a few. Um, what inspired you to do training in so many different places and in so many um, different faculties? Well, I left the UK 15 years ago and moved to Hong Kong to work for an educational nonprofit. And so having, being able to, you know, live in Asia was a wonderful opportunity to travel. So travel really became like my third passion. There was yoga, education and travel. And so to be able to merge the two, uh, three even, <laughs> to merge the three was, um, really like a dream come true, actually. And so living in Asia, it was really quite easy for me to be able to hop over to India to do um, a teacher training there and then go over to Bali. And I just think, you know, travel is really a big part of, of my life and who I am. And you can just learn so much from it. I really feel that the trainings that I have experienced all across the world have brought so much more than just the yoga that I'm, I'm learning about. It's obviously the merge of, of the culture and just the immersive experience of being completely in nature. So it brings a really different element and a different learning factor really into it. And of all of these trainings that you've done, which would you say was the most life-changing for you? Oh, that is such a difficult question. <laughs> um, they've definitely all been incredibly impactful um, in, in the most positive ways. But I would have to say that the first one that I did, so my 200 hour, which was in India, and not so much for, definitely not for what I learned, but the entire experience. It was a one-on-one -on -one experience. So I was the only student that actually turned up, which at the time seemed um, a little bit intimidating because it was me wow. and I had three teachers. Um, and it was just in the middle of nowhere in India, in the middle of the countryside, so far away from any towns or cities. And I just had an entire month of complete immersion in yoga, nothing but yoga all day and night, every aspect of it, yoga, meditation, chanting, philosophy, and I learned so much, so, so much. It really was um, a complete self-discovery experience. And I just, my brain was completely jam-packed full of just so many things that I went that I didn't realize that I would ever learn or experience. And so I think from a, a life-changing point of view, that is definitely the most, um, not just the most life-changing training, but the most life-changing experience I've had in my 36 years of life. So you essentially had a private yoga training in India where you were fully immersed. That's incredible. <laughs> I did for $400. It was amazing. What? <laughs> you don't wow. really get that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. When you, you see the price of trainings now, that's like unbelievable to even yes. comprehend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... I did really want to ask you about how you got COVID-19 and you recovered. So that in itself is wow. Um, so I was, I was wondering if you can tell me about that experience, but then also 
it led you to create the COVID recovery kit for kids. So I was wondering if you could tell me about your experience and then how it led you to create that. Yes. Well, I, I realized I had COVID or I developed the symptoms six weeks ago. So I'm definitely still in, um, in recovery format. So my, my brain gets a bit confused and foggy sometimes still. Um, and I definitely still am, am tired and get a little bit breathless and I'm not nearly as energetic or as active as I would typically be. But I do feel incredibly grateful that I, I still have my health and that I was able to overcome it. Um, so yeah, I, I developed the symptoms six weeks ago. Really, it was about a day after I arrived back in the UK. So I was living in Mexico before, came back to the UK, and obviously, I guess right before the flight, or a couple of days before the flight, I actually picked up the, the virus and then brought it back to the UK with me. Um, I was quarantining, so thankfully I didn't, I pa- well, I passed it on to my family, but I didn't pass it on to um, anyone else, um, thankfully. But yeah, during, it was about three weeks into it um, when my symptoms started to ease that I just, I, I really out of nowhere, I just thought, oh, I need to really, I need to share this experience, but not in a way that is about me. I really didn't, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that are suffering with this. And this was not, I didn't want it to be about me um, and my journey as such but more so how can I support people who are experiencing this and of course it's all about the children and families for me and I know that my zone of genius is supporting or helping um, families and so I just created this kit I feel like I don't even know where it came from I just I don't know where the energy came from for sure and I spent eight hours at the computer just creating all of these resources that were all based on what I had been advised and, and the guidance that was being given by the medical practitioners. So I, was, I was very, very wary to make sure that it was, it is completely safe. Um, because obviously when we're dealing with children's breathing and of course their mental health as well, it's very important that we are completely safe and follow the, the medical practitioners, the experts in this area. So I combined that the advice that I've been given um, alongside obviously my own creativity, my knowledge of working with children and families and, and what actually works and how to get them to breathe in the way that you want them to and how to get them to relax certain body parts when they're in a lot of pain. And so, yeah, I just made it as simple and um, creative as possible so that families could um, it could find it and use it immediately and start seeing the the effects of it. So it is available completely free. I wanted to just put it out there and obviously more than happy to to have people share it so that so the families and, and schools or really anybody that is supporting children who have the symptoms or who that are overcoming it to support them in the best way possible. That's so wonderful. And if people wanted to find it, can you just quickly tell us where they can find it? Yes, absolutely. Um, obviously, on my Instagram, um, there is a link there. And the website, um, Jessica, I'm not sure if you put um, links in your show notes. I can, yes. 
just so I don't have to read out the entire long <laughs> website. Totally, totally. To try and remember. Yes, I will, I will tag that in and include it so everyone can check that out. And I did also want to note, we are recording this on August 16th. This episode's not coming out till October. So I do hope that by that point when it's released that you are back to your normal energy level and feeling okay. It sounds like it really takes a long time to recover. It does from a lot of people that have been overcoming it for the last few months. Uh, it does sound like it's a, a quite a slow and long process. But as a yogi, um, I do feel very patient and very um, compassionate with my body. And so it's just about taking the time and yeah, being really kind to yourself and and letting your body heal. And I feel because I'm, I am healthy and I have a, a positive mindset that that really, really impacts um, my overall health. So yes, I hope that in October, actually, not many people will need it, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might actually uh, send it out now. Well, you know, we're talking now, it might be needed more now, you know, crossing yeah. our fingers. Yeah. Um, I do also want to hear about your company, Divine Light Yoga. Um, first of all, when did, I guess, when did you leave your full-time teaching job and then why did you start your own company? I, well, I left my, I was working full-time as a yoga teacher. So I left the education sector, became, uh, worked full-time at a yoga studio, but I was still going into a lot of um, schools to teach yoga. So it was yoga for adults and children. And I decided to leave. I, I don't really know what the catalyst was that to leave Hong Kong and to leave the yoga studio. And I decided to go to Thailand to volunteer for four months, um, living in the middle of the rainforest, working for a children's charity in which I was running um, yoga retreats and all of the profits went to the children's charity. And they're an absolutely wonderful foundation that five years later, I'm still very, very connected to them. And the Thai, chi the Thai Child um, Foundation and TCDF. And they, um, they have a special needs school there in the middle of the rainforest. And so I was, I was working, um, well, volunteering to teach them English and also yoga. And so during that time, I had a lot of space really to, to think about what I wanted to offer the world. I could see that there were, there wasn't a lot, there were pockets of children's yoga. So this was five years ago, but, um, I felt like there, there needed to be more. I really wanted it to be integrated into the education system. Um, like many of the children's yoga teachers who will be listening and like yourself, Jessica, just really trying to get children's yoga into every home, every school, every little pocket of the world. And so because I had that space, um, the, the mental space and just being immersed in the rainforest for four months, being with these, this absolutely beautiful community with um, wonderful children, I, I felt very inspired to to create Divine Light Yoga and create the children's yoga teacher training with a real focus on education, creativity, and the therapeutic side. So that is that's really how it started um, five yeah five years ago, and it's just I mean, developed since then. 
And so prior to the pandemic, were you doing trainings internationally? Yes. Um, I've had a lot of trainings that unfortunately had to be canceled, but I did take it online, which I was very fortunate, very grateful for. But usually I teach the trainings in Singapore, Malaysia, Thailand, Mexico. Um, So I have studios and resorts that I work with there that I go back to every year. And then sometimes I like to do a little random one in Zanzibar. I'm thinking about Peru next year. So it's nice to spice it up a little bit and still have that consistency and that that deep connection with the with the studios and and the local children's charities that we work that I work with as well you have such a unique perspective on kids yoga because you are just teaching it everywhere (laughs) you know you're traveling to so many different places it just gets me thinking like I'm just curious you know you're teaching all over the world are there certain things you notice about children's yoga every place you go? Are there certain just commonalities with how the children react to yoga? Yes, I think obviously working in absolutely different communities, cultures, amongst different religions, different languages, that it's really important to, of course, be completely aware of what is appropriate and inappropriate as a a children's yoga teacher going into a different community. But what I definitely see is that language is actually very unimportant when it comes to something like yoga and working with mindset, that it is the body language which speaks more um, and the movement, the creativity, the singing, it really brings everybody together. So everything that we actually do in yoga, the chanting, the mindful movement, the mandalas, the, the, the creative movement, all of that is a language in itself that you don't need the verbal for. So it's not that we, I, I get a lot of, a lot of teacher trainees that, that do get concerned about not speaking the same language as the children, especially when um, their final practices are going into um, a Thai school in the middle of the rainforest where the children don't speak any English. But I do always explain to them that it's just the verbal language is just one form of communication. And there are a hundred different ways in which we can communicate with children. And within yoga, there are a hundred different ways in which we communicate naturally um, without the verbal side. So, yeah, that's really beautiful to see. It doesn't matter where in the world or what language the children speak or if you speak, you know, what language you speak or what your experiences are. You, you can still really communicate the philosophy and the principles of yoga um, with anyone. That's so powerful. And it's, it's that balance between being very respectful and aware of where you're teaching, what the culture is. um, And then also just these, just the unspoken, the energy behind it, like you're saying, that's just true everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So how have you adapted your business now that we are in this pandemic? 
I was very fortunate because I already had online trainings, but they weren't the 95 hour trainings. Um, and I actually, I always used to say I would never take my, <laughs> I would never take my 95 hour teacher training online because it just wouldn't feel the same. And so obviously when the Yoga Alliance um, said that in back in March that clearly we needed to take the trainings online because doing location was not a possibility, I... I went back on everything that I said and I, I just thought, right, I'm going to make this the best teacher training that I've ever done because it, it's really important to me to provide such a quality experience for my trainees. And it's so much more than learning about yoga and mindfulness for children. It's a complete experience. And so I wanted to um, replicate that and continue with that quality and continue to, for it to be a full experience um, online. And I have to say, I was completely amazed by the community that you can create online. And I'd done that before with my other online courses and workshops, but not quite the same. I think because the entire world is going through this experience together, that we're, we're all in, in, we all have this common challenge that we're experiencing. And so that instantly connects us all. And I think that's actually one of the most, um, one of the beneficial things that's actually come out of this experience. And so, yeah, so now I, I said, okay, I'm only going to do it one time. And then, of course, Yoga Alliance extended it. And so I said, okay, that was amazing. Uh, everybody loved it. Everybody learned so much from it. I'm going to do it a second time. And today I've just uh, released or opened registrations for the, the third one. So I'm very fortunate, very grateful that I was able to shift everything online and that I already had the knowledge and, and the background, um, you know, things working in the background already with regards to the online training. Yeah. It's funny because I agree prior to this, I never would have considered doing a training online or a class online, but since we've all been kind of forced into it, mm -hmm. it's realizing, like you said, it, there is a a community that's built. And I think you're right. It's probably because we're all kind of in this situation together. So I'm yeah. so glad you were able to pivot and do that. I was wondering um, if you would be willing, there's a lot of people that listen that are creating their own trainings. And um, in order for you to create your 95 hour, that was then a yoga alliance training. Can you talk a little bit about the process of how, you become accepted to be a Yoga Alliance teacher training? Yes, um, they have changed it now because I, I applied for mine five years ago when it was a little bit easier, not with regards to the standards, but with regards to the admin and the paperwork. So it is a little bit more difficult now, but I, I think this is beneficial because hopefully this means that the Yoga Alliance are really going to stay on top of the standards to ensure that every... Um, training school is actually providing a quality training but it was just a case of creating a curriculum well first of all I suggest anyone who's thinking about opening up a, a yoga alliance training school if you go onto their website and find out what the requirements are so there are certain amounts of hours that you as the lead trainer have to teach in certain areas of children's yoga and if you don't 
um, meet those requirements, they will refuse your application. So um, you can take a look at that. And then from that, create your curriculum. So really think about what you want to offer the trainees that are coming to your course. And remember that they, they are not just there to get their certificate and say, yeah, I'm a children's yoga teacher. They are there to then, you're teaching them to go out and share with hundreds, hopefully thousands of children in all areas of the world. So when you're creating your curriculum, thinking about what you want to share with children and families, because that's essentially what you are doing, you know, to go into the role of a teacher trainee, uh, sorry, teacher trainer, go into the role of being the Yoga Alliance school, you're doing that so that you can reach more children in the world with, with yoga and mindfulness. So thinking about what you want to offer the children um, through the trainees and, and creating a, a curriculum that feels very authentic to you, your experiences and your specialities. So not creating something that you think um, you should be creating, but something that you can really talk about with confidence and knowledge. So when I was creating mine, I knew that I wanted it to be really um, based around education and therapeutic approaches. And definitely my training has evolved and, and gone in diff different directions. Um, and my workshops are slightly different now as, you know, as I've learned along the way. But it's really rooted in this playful, therapeutic, educational approach. And I think it's very, very important that anyone who is a teacher trainer be really authentic about what they know and what they believe and what they want um, to share with the children and families of the world. And so once you've created your curriculum, um, then it's a case of making sure it fits in to the Yoga Alliance requirements. A lot, quite a lot of admin work, typing it all up, and then you send it off. And sometimes they come back and they say, oh, you need to make adjustments with this and this. And, um, and then you make those adjustments and then there you go. You are a Yoga Alliance registered children's yoga school. Thank you for sharing this because I, one of the big, well, I, in your bio, I saw your mission was to get yoga to as many children as possible. That's also my mission. I feel the exact same way. And I just love how you're doing that is through training teachers who are then, like you said, going to teach hundreds, if not thousands of children. And so it's kind of this domino effect of, and, and you can reach so many more children by training the adults that are teaching it. So I appreciate you too, just sharing that process because I do feel that we as kids yoga Teachers need to support each other and help each other. And I don't think there would ever be too many kids yoga teachers, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> I completely uh, agree with that. Sorry to interrupt you, Jessica. No, I completely no. agree with that. And I think that sometimes, that, and it comes from a place of fear, but sometimes people can see um, other yoga teachers at other training schools as competition and just as you said, we need to support each other because this is, we're all on the same mission. And if we're not supporting one another and see each other as competition, how can we ever get children's yoga across the entire world? So. Exactly. Yes. I'm so, because that's another reason I created the podcast was that I 
I did notice, like you said, it's, it's fear-based, but I did notice a sense of competition and I was like, hmm, what is that? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> we, we definitely need to be supporting each other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's not very yogi to see every, everybody as competition. <laughs> I understand <laughs> it, but if you keep, if you come back to the principles of yoga, you'll realize that it's, it's not necessary to, to see others as, as competition. Exactly. Yes. Practice your own yoga and start from there. That's really what's important. (laughs) Um, So as we are in the midst of this global pandemic and you having a very unique perspective on actually getting COVID, um, I've been asking guests how they've been taking care of themselves, but how have you been taking care of yourself during this challenging time? Um, I think the one thing that I always, always come back to, um, in any experience, but definitely in sickness and challenging times is gratitude. And I could talk about this all day long. And I know sometimes, um, it might seem so simple, but the, having a sense of gratitude in the most difficult times of your life obviously changes your perspective you're choosing to have a positive perspective and that actually changes your brain chemistry it works with your nervous system to to calm it down to naturally soothe your body and that's when you go into healing mode so I think the knock-on effect of a gratitude practice um, is actually very very healing and it's obviously not something that you can start necessarily start a practice when you're in a very challenging time, but actually doing it as a regular practice when things are feeling great, when things are feeling good, so that when you do come to a challenging time in your life, then you, your brain naturally goes to gratitude and naturally goes to that more positive perspective. And I feel like I've been very tested with my sense of gratitude during this time. Obviously, having COVID, giving it to my family, so I could have gone down the route of feeling guilty. Um, my my grandmother, my my nan, passed away during the first, the week that I found out that I had COVID, and that I'd also passed it to my family. But instead of going down this spiral of, of feeling guilty and shame and um, feeling sickness, I just instantly went to gratitude and just continuously making myself um, look at the, the positive side of it. And it really does have, I truly believe that it has such an impact, um, not just on your mental health, but on your physical health as well. I'm so sorry to hear that about your grandmother. Oh, thank you. It was, it was not COVID, thank, thankfully. And she was 88 and she'd had a wonderful life and it was, it was her time. It was her time to leave. So yeah, so it's, yeah, it's as with any loss, it's, it brings up all sorts of emotions and especially at this time. And I do have a very deep sense, sense of empathy for anyone who is going through that at this time. And I'm not saying that everybody can go to gratitude at those times, but if you can find gratitude, um, you know, in the, in the days that feel a little bit better than the, you know, the day before, then that's, it's going to help build up that, that natural practice and that, that ability to look at, at things from a, a slightly more positive perspective. Right. And I love what you said about it's important to do the gratitude practice when you're in a good 
headspace because when you're in that low space, the last thing you want to do is start a new gratitude practice. That yeah. would be and it's, so, I mean, it's just it. not realistic, is it, to, to necessarily mm-hmm. to be telling, advising people to start a gratitude practice when they're at the lowest point. They need, they need something else before that. But. Absolutely. Well, um, as I wrap up, I always like to end on the same question. So little kids yoga gems. So for you, if you can offer one piece of advice to someone new to sharing yoga with kids, what would it be? Only one piece of advice. (laughs) (laughs) There's Um, so much. (laughs) I will share something that I shared with my teacher trainees a couple of days ago. And that is when you are a children's yoga teacher, to be accepting, very patient, and compassionate, not just with the children, but but with yourself. I think it's essential, obviously, that we, we have those qualities with children, but as not just as a new um, teacher, but consistently we do need to have compassion towards ourselves um, and be accepting of the mistakes that we make. Um, being patient, patient with ourselves and knowing that this is a process and it doesn't matter how long you've been teaching, you will always make mistakes and you will always learn something new. And it's important that you take those lessons that children give to you and, and be patient and accepting of, of both the children and yourself. I love that. The compassion goes both to yourself and to the children mm-hmm. that you are teaching. Well, I'm sure people are going to want to find out more about you and about your training. So where can people find you? Um, on all the social medias. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely um, on Instagram. I am divine underscore light underscore yoga. Not an easy one. On Facebook and obviously my website. And I would love any of your listeners to to get hold of my COVID recovery kit for kids and share it with, with anyone that they think may need it. And also I'm more than happy or over the moon when I get DMs on Instagram from anyone who's, who's listening or anyone who, who has anything that they want to share. So yes, any listeners, please do contact me. I would love to have you as part of my community as well. Wonderful. And I'm, I'm going to post about your recovery kit this week in August so that people can see it now. And then um, hopefully I won't have to post it again in October. Let's see how this all goes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jessica. It means a lot. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk and for sharing so much with us. And I look forward to following you on social media and see what you're up to. And we'll definitely stay in touch. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been awesome. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or if you've listened before, there are a few ways that you can help this podcast to keep going. So first, you can click subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave a rating and a review. This will help more people find the podcast. You can follow us on social media at the kids yoga podcast on instagram and the kids yoga podcast on facebook you can also email me i love to hear your questions comments feedback the kids yoga podcast at gmail.com 
Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week.